At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with David Welcome. Glenn. Welcome. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. <laughs> Tom Pestak, David Wood. Um, we just watched a terrible basketball game. Your podcast for all things Cavaliers. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta work on your, you gotta work on your radio. Uh, yeah, hype I didn't man. exactly sell the AM, open to the podcast. Radio, AM radio hype man. WNBC. Have you seen um, the movie with? Uh, oh my gosh! Oh, I shouldn't have even started talking. So I don't know. Um, Andy yeah. Sam, Andy Samberg is like the evil Knievel kid. Oh, um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. The Peter Rabbit movie or. No, no, not Jojo Rabbit. No, um, uh, he's like Evil Knievel. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. But where he's the stuntman. And... Yeah, it's really funny, actually. Yeah, it's actually really good. Isla Fisher is the girl, and she's ridiculously hot. Rod. Hot. hot Rod. Hot Rod, yeah, and hot she's Rod. ridiculously hot in the movie. Wait, Tom, okay. this, this is like 10 years old, then. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it is. It's like oh, right. 12 years old, yeah. But do you remember the scene with Chris Parnell as like the guy that's trying to bring back AM radio? <laughs> no, I don't. But oh my, that you remember about that? like Chris Parnell, you remember where he's got the tattoo where it's like the take on of Calvin, but instead of pissing on like Ford or Chevy, he's like pissing on both AM or FM radio and internet radio or satellite radio, <laughs> <laughs> and in the middle, not getting pissed on is AM radio. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a tattoo of this on his butt, I think. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that is about the quality of the game we watched tonight. <laughs> that yeah, well, was, I talk it about was... the game when we can distract each other with. Yeah. I mean, that was. So the Cavs led by as many as 24. 
and ended up winning, holding on to win by two in a game that they should probably not have won. I mean, would you agree with that, David? Oh, yeah. Any other team would have stomped us by like 30 points. Yeah, the Cavs had, what, like 20 second half turnovers? It, they had at least 20, like midway through the fourth. I quit counting or the box score. Let's see. Yeah, like no, no, no. You can't, you can't do that, David. Your your browser is too sensitive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that audio drift. All right. Did you look at the David, David rocking a Chromebook? So we're trying a new podcast technology tonight. Did so. you look at the um, image I just posted in the chat? I did not look at the image you posted in the chat. I will not uh, look cat, at the image because I'm not going to ruin it. <laughs> the cat had, the Cavs had 16 second half turnovers. I, I, I don't that's even know how to get a, to this. That's enough for a whole game. I don't even know how to get to the te- Any love for Hot Rod? Oh, we've got... Okay, yeah, we may. Uh, that may be our um, podcast. That may be uh... our title pick for the podcast. <laughs> Except I'll put a little... Uh, uh, Hornets logo and a little Cavs logo. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's we have your winner. Um, yeah. So the Cavs had 16 second half turnovers. Um, Terry Rozier, how many fourth quarter points did he put, score? 29, I believe, or 39. No, no, fourth quarter. Not oh. Terry Rozier had 19 fourth quarter points. Five for eight from three in the fourth quarter. The Cavs kept basically trading a one free throw or two free throws for uh, Terry Rozier three-point shot that he just kept hitting down the stretch. And it just kept getting closer and closer and closer. If the game was... And then finally at the end, after the Cavs struggled against a basic college presses... Um, Terry Rozier had an open shot, like the one guy who shot every shot somehow got open, and the Cavs, and he missed it uh, with with the Hornets up down by two, and the Cavs ended up holding on to win a game they probably did not deserve to win, at least the way they played the last eight minutes. But uh, yeah, it was that was a crazy game. I mean, there was a lot of good things to take away in the first half, and a lot of not so good things in the second half. Well, um, it was the return of. Oh, go ahead, submarine captain David. Oh, it was the return of. <laughs> it was the return of uh, the Kevin Love outlet pass. Yeah, that was, fun. that was fun to see. I haven't seen that for a while. He was going for it all night. Yeah, but he was he like didn't have a prodigious amount of turnovers. Um, he actually did a pretty good job. He had quite a few assists. Kevin Love had a really nice like seven assists, only three turnovers, sixteen points, fourteen rebounds, uh, even had a block and a steal. Um, Chetty Osman had f- fifteen points in the first half, I believe, and then uh, three in the second half because people just stopped passing to Chetty Osman. Although Colin Sexton was a perfect uh, eight of eight in the first half, I believe. Seven to seven. Seven to seven. Okay, and then ended up ten to fourteen. Um, pretty, pretty. He couldn't miss in the first half, but he also had five turnovers and gave Terry Rozier basically 
the shot to win the game by dribbling off his own leg with like what eight seconds left and <laughs> when all he had to do was hold the ball and get fouled and then lost Terry Rozier on defense off a Tyler Zeller screen although the big should have left Tyler Zeller for for Terry Rozier um I can't remember who the big was I think it was Larry Nance yeah it was it was a pretty terrible ball game um at least the through the third quarter um what what were your impressions David well uh Colin Sexton looked good cuz he was hitting his floater I don't know if that's the shot I want him to take, but he's starting to learn how to like pause bigger guys when he drives into the paint instead of just one speeding at him. He's kind of pausing a little bit now to get space, which is nice to see. And he actually passed the ball. He was driving and kicking the ball out, which this was probably the best ball movement I've seen from the Cavs all year, in the first half at least. Yeah, they, they, had, they had 14 first half assists, finished with 25. Um. And then they were actually kind of getting the ball to the bigs, although I'm starting to realize that Kevin Love will pass the ball to Tristan Thompson when he's down low and that only Deli and Jetty give Kevin Love the ball if he's posted up. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's the old man, the old man feeding each other. The old yeah, men feeding each it other. It really drives me nuts how – like, do you feel like Garland and Sexton hold the ball too long in the pick and roll? Like – as soon as the guy slips the pick, he's open, but they, like, hold the ball too long. Well, they dribble with their heads down. Yeah. That, that's, nuts. that's the biggest problem. They can't actually dribble that well. They don't know how to do it properly yet. <laughs> yeah, it drives me crazy. Like, I've talked about the pick and pop, but it isn't just on the pick and pop. It's just all the time. Like... I don't know how many times I've seen Tristan Thompson slip his screen. And then, so then he's the short roll man and he's got the three on two against the rest of the defense and they just don't give him the ball or Kevin love on the pick and pop, or they ran a side pick and roll or a wing pick and roll. And Kevin love was cutting down the right baseline and he's wide open. And so he cut all the way in, then he cut all the way back and they pass it to him again. And, only the fact that Bismarck Biombo won't guard someone past 10 feet did Kevin Love get a bucket out of it. But it it just drives me nuts, the lack of timing on the pick and roll well, on the I part how, of the Cavs guards. I look how Garland and Sexton will dribble into the paint. So instead of like where it's Tristan with the kind of like him go, or like he's got three guys on him, he can actually like roll on the short roll. Like they'd rather dribble in the paint and be looking at like four defenders yeah, I have somehow encapsulated them so they can't pass the ball out. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was funny because down the stretch, uh, Jordan Clarkson hit a big uh, layup when he drove and and scored, and then he went one on four and oh, and, and put up a bad shot. I was like, he made it though. No, 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 not the one where he went one on four. The one before that, he made it, and then the next time down, he just gave it up. Oh. Yeah, it was, I mean, the Cavs shot, I mean, it was a rough game. Cavs got a lot of transition buckets, but they shot 7 of 26 from 3. Darius Garland was 1 of 7. Chetty Osman, 1 of 4. What the heck happened to Colin Sexton's (laughs) three-point shot? Like He only knows how to do push shots now. Well, the (laughs) only thing was, 
you remember he had that kind of goofy three-point release last year, but he shot 42%? Yeah, it was an effective release. It was consistent. Yeah, like why did he change his shot? Because now he can't shoot at all. <laughs> it just like things that don't make sense on the Cavs. <laughs> that, that's one of the things that makes not that much sense, but it's not the worst thing. Yeah, like, okay, what's the biggest thing that doesn't make sense on the Cavs? Well, the defense in the first. What, Kevin Love apparently doesn't play defense anymore. No, he doesn't. <laughs> like, it was, he literally just let Cody Zeller drive by him. Like, and it, ha- oh, yeah. it happened multiple times where I'm like, who's covering Bismack? Kevin Love's just meandering around and kind of walked <laughs> up a lot on offense. Like, he was into it a little bit, but if, if things weren't going well, he just kind of walked up. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Like, if the Hornets hadn't been on a back to back, or they had been playing any other team in the league, they would have lost that game. I mean, it, it was rough. And what we see, oh, <laughs> oh, a two from Delhi, uh, the bench, uh, Jordan Clarkson minus twenty. I mean, how often do you see a starter go plus seventeen and the bench go minus twenty? That's, we watch the Cavs so quite often. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a really goofy game. Um, Chetty had a really nice first half, and then it drives me nuts how Chetty doesn't touch the ball. Like he will just go super long stretches without touching the ball. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't dribble the ball either. He only gets shots if he's like cutting right at the hooper. If he's like getting a spot up three now, he did have yeah that one nice post up though. Oh, yeah, he did, and he had those two diagonal cuts for layup. Yeah, those were great. And then they tried to run the same play for Sexton at the end of the fourth quarter, and Charlotte stole it because when you run the same play three times that got layups the first two times, usually the team's going to overreact to it the third time. It was a a strange game. Uh, Tristan Thompson played a nice game, uh, 14 points. Like, this is the kind of team you feel like Tristan Thompson can dominate. You know, teams where your best center is Bismack Biombo. Hey, don't say and that about Cody. Teams where your best center is Bismack Biombo. <laughs> and and Tristan Thompson was getting that hook shot off. Um, 14 points, 13 rebounds, two assists. I mean, a couple of charges going in. It, like, teams are sitting on that that shoulder movie has, which he he's got to get a counter to that, like fake, like he's going to go with the sh- shoulder and then just go straight up off the bank. We all know his counter is going to be fake. Like he goes, like he's not going to shoot it and then go back to the same exact move. <laughs> like, let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has two moves and they're the same move just to either hand. <laughs> he's going to bowl you over with his right shoulder or he's going to bowl you over with his left shoulder. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a goofy-ass game. Oh, pardon my French. But, you know, Kevin Porter had a couple nice moments. He had a sweet alley. That was nice from, from uh, Darius Garland. Garland. No, that Garland threw that. Garland had a nice game not shooting the ball. You know, six dimes, three turnovers. Um as opposed to Sexton's two dimes and five turnovers. But oh. to Sexton's credit, like you said, he had a lot of hockey assists or a couple of nice passes that led to free throws, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I still I want to see Garland like go off from three already. Yeah, he just I thought that, 
and he was shooting open yeah, shots. I thought this guy had the sweetest stroke in the draft. Like that's what Chad Ford said. Yeah, he did based on a who? Chad Ford, the ESPN guy. Based on a sample size of oh, like Chad Ford. 10 threes. Oh, yeah. It was pretty sweet stroke. He had made he had made five of them in college <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. was really good alone in a gym in uh <laughs> in in the Cavs workout. I mean I mean in his defense or in the Cavs defense, it's not like a lot of the rest of the guys in the lottery were that good, except for Tyler Harrow and uh, um, who's the PJ Washington that Charlotte got. I mean, there's a lot of pretty mediocre guys in the draft, and then guys like Matisse Tybel and um, he'll be so fun to have. Oh yeah, I know, but the Cavs were never taking him fifth in the yeah. draft. Like, because well, part of that is they don't want to draft good players because if they draft good <laughs> players. And this is this ridiculous logic of tanking, because if they draft good players, then they might be too good to get another good draft pick. Oh, I thought you were, you were going to say if they draft good players, they might have to win games. But then if they don't win the game, well, no, I am saying the same thing, really. But like, it's so goofy. I don't know. I feel like anymore, if you're not in the top three, it doesn't really matter. Like, you can get the same quality of players at five that you can get at 20. It feels like in the last few well, drafts. If you're a good organization, it, it doesn't matter. But it's like the sucky organizations yeah. like the Cavs and stuff, like not to pile on them, they're, no matter where they draft, they're going to mess it up, it seems like. Like they don't have anything yeah, in place I mean, to develop a player. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't know. What's your take on Beeline? He's a cop. <laughs> like for being a college coach – he should be doing something more cool. Like, why aren't we running some like rigid, weird motion offense or like a lot of zigzag stuff or something think- gimmicky? Why don't we play zone defense ever? <laughs> like something fun. How is zone fun. <laughs> it's like the worst part about it, college basketball. Yeah, but it's it's like I feel like the Cavs are so overmatched at so many simple things that like he can't even put in wrinkles like that. Well, zone defense would. So, I, I don't know. I've been on a zone defense kick, but I think the NBA needs to use it more. <laughs> like, why not? Oh, the NBA. Yeah, but fun. like even more. Like, I mean, I know there's the three second rules, but guys, centers are so like quick and athletic now. It could make for a pretty cycling defense. Yeah, they just do the little, the quick little yeah. step out. I don't know. I mean, I feel like most NBA teams that are more competent than the Cavs um, are will just shoot you out of a zone most of the time. But the Boston does a really good job of like a lot of times when they've been in man a long time and then they come out of a out of bounds play, they'll switch to zone or vice versa, like just to throw the other team off. That's a good wrinkle to me that that's the one thing I notice about beeline. His out of bounds plays are terrible. Like how many times do they have a hard time just getting the ball inbounded in or like they'll call a timeout and then they'll have a turnover out of a timeout. Like I feel like the Cavs have got to lead the league in turnovers out of timeouts. <sighs> have you noticed that at all, or have you not? Watched I, I've watched him enough to kind of he, he. So he runs his out of bounds plays. I don't think we have anyone that's good enough at passing the ball, which is part of the problem. He doesn't wow, use that's... the proper people to pass in the ball all the time, but. 
Yeah, like Larry Nance should be the guy every time, yeah. I feel like. Well, I feel like his plays, instead of running like north to south, he's trying to run like east to west with his inbound plays sometimes. And it doesn't. I totally understand what you yeah, like There's totally, no like, movement towards the back. You never have that screener where the guy's coming off the screen to the ball or they've got the other angle from the other direction. It's all like, yeah, yeah it's all spread and, out. That doesn't make sense at all. And then the other thing is he uses his timeouts like really weird. We we should have had timeouts left at the end of that game, like more so than we did. I think we only had one, like the final three minutes. But he just blows his timeout sometimes, and you don't even notice that he's doing it. Oh, yeah, he's he's – but I also feel like that's a function of having a super young team and that they just – you they're gonna get lost, so he has to kind of take those timeouts just to, you know, preserve the status quo or you know keep the team from screwing up too bad. Well, you know what I mean. Okay, here's the here's the real question of the night. No, Tom, I'm what's not, the, how's that Rocket League, league going? I, you told me I wasn't allowed. <laughs> Tom, Rocket League was verboten. Yeah. That's what I told Tom. Because the the new recording software we're using is very uh, processor sensitive, so we'll see. We'll see how I'm here working with goes. my hands. We'll see if we get the audio drift. I'm <laughs> what are you doing? A Raspberry Pi four onto a back of a Raspberry Pi touchscreen and formatting the memory card and connecting ribbon cables, doing all kinds of fun stuff. Are you building a tablet? So, yeah, kind of, kind of like a kiosk. Yeah. For what? Uh, just a project I'm working nice. on. All right. Not for work. For work? No, it's not for work. It's you can't tell us about else, but... Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, so you no, could I tell us and you wouldn't all. have to tell it us. Just, I mean, I could tell you. In fact, if you want later, I'll tell you all about it, but it's not that interesting. <laughs> oh, building up anticipation. Yeah. I like it. See, I did that reverse psychology on you right there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for dad talk. I have a good dad talk topic tonight. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. So, I don't know. I mean, some more wait, takeaways from wait, this wait. game. Wait, what was Kevin that? Love you said had a nice here game. Here is the question of the night, and then you were like going to ask me, and now. Yeah, I was going to ask oh, you about the rocket. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no. That was the question of the night. Well, RLCS was <laughs> last weekend. So I can tell you all about that. Rocket League Championship Series. What's that? The biann the biannual oh, wow. Um, oh wow yeah land land tournament. This one was in Madrid, and it was. How can you have a biannual the championship? They don't, they're not like, like each season's like five months, and then it culminates in a. Okay, so they have an yeah. in-season tournament, like David. Well, no, it's like, season uh, long. It's like a season-long um, tournament. David Silver's talking for the, about for the you know the good players that culminates in, um, the end of the season. And yeah, it's it's it was epic. It was how how good are the good players in Rocket League? It's totally incredible. Every like if you just if you ever go back like twelve months, the meta, as they say, has changed so much. It's like a different game. Um, It's it's incredible, and it's been really hard for pros to like stay at the top. Like a couple people have been around the scene for the entire like three years it's been in existence, but. It just feels like there's new people all the time crashing and rising to the top just because new mechanics get found out. It, it, it's honestly incredible. 
I don't know how to like invest in esports, but if that was a thing that I was into, I would absolutely just dump my money into Rocket League because I think like ten years from now, it could be the biggest esport. It's just so, it's so exciting to watch. I don't even. I was so into it on Sunday. Like I wasn't even watching the Browns. I was watching Rocket League, and I was like going crazy in my. <laughs> Who, who's the well, that's the thing that, the, I think one of the things that is esports has to figure out is you know how like on the last pod we were ranting about um, like player movement and player empowerment and like it just pisses off fans especially of local local teams. Well, esports has a problem where first of all every player has some weird ass name, right? No one's like you know. Joe Jackson or John Smith or whatever, everyone's like, you know, Mystic Sorcerer X9 or something. And so you've got like uh, strange <laughs> names to remember. And then you have to try to like map these names to generally speaking play styles only, like where you're not actually seeing a person. Then the land happens and they've got all these cameras and all these like pasty, out of shape, like 18 year old white kids get on the stage. <laughs> And they, um, let's be honest, many of them are also League. Asian. Rocket League is not, yeah, not yet. <laughs> really? But it's funny okay. you say that because no, Koreans it's funny you say that. But whenever Rocket anyone gets like a the other really, sport. really, really insane goal, some people say that was a Korean goal, <laughs> even even though the Koreans don't play it. Why I think they're that? just making fun of the fact that once Koreans get into a video game. It becomes like a national sport, and they dominate, like at um, StarCraft and things like that. So, but no, the, the okay, actually, it's yeah. not real big in the. So the best players in the world are almost uniformly from North America, and um, you know, like your usual suspects: um, England, France, uh, Germany, Nordic countries, or whatever. But anyway. So here's the real problem. Here's the real problem. So all these team names change, like, and the players change rosters at such a frenetic pace, it's almost impossible to keep track of anything. Like, you have to spend a lot of time reading, like, Reddit, because there is no really good, you know, um, organization, like, media or journalism following the Rocket League scene. So you so got to do your own digging to try to understand, like, wait, who is this person and wh- what team did they used to be on? And, oh, it could be the team change names or it could be there's a new sponsor. So they made them change the name. But then the player movement is insane. And if you want to talk about drama, like in player movement in the, in the NBA, the drama <laughs> in esports player movement is like visceral. It's like getting back into high school like that level of emotional trauma. And it's crazy because their teams are three, right? And very often the team, if they think like, well, if we subs- if we got rid of the one guy who's like the weak link or whatever, and we picked up someone else, maybe we would be better. And so even though they're on a team and they might even be friends and they might even be living together, all of them in the back of their mind have this sort of like thought that maybe someone else among them should be cast off the island. And they also have this defense mechanism, which is, you know what, behind my back, they might be looking to cast me off. And it's really strange because they do, it's all, they do all this um, talking, like, like secretive talking, like, Hey man, you interested in like coming on our team, but they have to do it. Like you don't, you don't kick a person off your team 
and then say like, we have a free agent spot open and then pick something up. So it's, it's, it's real. I don't know how to describe it, but it, it, you know, it's been crazy. Like people get sort of like voted off their team, you know, by, by either a, a two to one, you know, quorum or, or the sponsor, you know, gets involved or whatever. And then they go on Twitter and they usually try to take the high road a little bit. But then if you find somewhere on Reddit, like their dad or something will like pop in and post like, <laughs> here's, here's the real story about why my, you know, my son got kicked off the team. Like it's, it's, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a toxic community too. like, not any more so than any other esport, but it still has people that are kind of toxic. And so it could be kind of riveting. It's it's basically what would happen with any group oh, of incels well, get together. Yeah, or or worse, if, you know, all these guys are furries or something, you know, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I get it, and it's also really funny to watch people that are literally the best in the world at what they do, and I have a level of appreciation for that. Who is climbing a mountain right now? <laughs> like, who is breathing like they just? I'm not mouthing me. I'm Are you sorry. doing a stairmaster while we talk? <laughs> I probably have the the mic anyway. too close to my mouth. I apologize. I have to put a note in at twenty seven twenty that Nate, <laughs> like, Nate like I have a I have a I have an appreciation for the fact that these these kids really are the best in the world at what they're doing. They're the best out of millions of people. People like me that have invested a thousand hours into this game, and I'm a scrub by comparison, and I take it seriously. Yeah, but and I realize that they're on such a different level, and so I have a level of respect for that. And then, like, they put a microphone in front of these people, and it's just funny because you never know what you're going to get. I mean, they haven't been in the pro athlete spheres; they haven't been coached. It's not like when you turn on any kind of ESPN or Fox radio during the midday and you're listening to one of these talk shows and they have like a pro football player on and everything's a canned response. Everything is, you know, at the end of the day, blah, blah, blah. Like everything is like, yeah, this is just like a script. Pick a line out of a hundred. And this is just what athletes are trained to say. And you got these kids, some of which, you know, weren't pros a month ago. You know, they just got on the scene. They just got on a pro team. Somehow they broke through. They're at all. They're at RLCS. They're at a, a LAN, a local area network event. They're there in the flesh, and they might win. And then, like a camera and a microphone might get thrust right in front of them, and they might ask them a question like, "Well, how does it feel to be like the best? And did you think you know you'd be able to beat the other team?" And what's really interesting is on on the whole, how much sort of I don't want to say cockier, but there is no need for any of these, these, I mean, I keep calling them kids because they are, they're like 16 to 20 years old. There's no need for them to feign humility. Like they don't say like, oh, well, you know, we know whoever we play, it'll, you know, they're a really good team. You know, they don't say stuff like that. They say like, if we play our, I just they, take it one. They don't say stuff like that. No, they don't willing. say we just <laughs> think about the next match. Like they don't say stuff like that. Like they, you, you get a much more, real answer from them some of them that have been around a while you can tell like they're a little bit better about it but a lot of these new ones that like just got on the scene who are you know and and it's just crazy how much exposure they have because they've all got twitch channels that people follow so there are people that follow them and you know so they're kind of just like constantly exposing themselves 
I, I just think this is like this is going to be a big deal going forward. It's it's checking off all the boxes of the cultural zeitgeist, and at the end of the day, to to use that line, it's it's incredibly thrilling to watch. This- like I've tried watching other esports, and it's like yeah, okay, watching Rocket League where all of the action is happening in a small self-contained area. So you can kind of always understand what's happening. It's not like Dota where they're going around in different areas on the map and you got to really be an expert to understand what's going what's on. What's Dota? Or, uh, Defense of the Ancients. Oh, okay. So Dota 2 is like a tier one eSport. You know, Counter-Strike, obviously, League of Legends. Oh, wow. um, it's like League of Legends, right? So, but I... I have no idea what you're talking about, but that's fine. Are Counter Strike is shooters? no. You've never heard of League of Legends. I know Counter Strike. What's what's Do- Dota Dota Two Defense of the Ancients? It's like so. It's yeah, like, I have it's like no League idea what it is. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like you all, all this just shows that we're still a male-dominated society. If somehow we're going to try to make video games like video game superstars, and these are going to be the next super athletes in the world. Oh my gosh, a male-dominated society. Well, let's just get some <laughs> ladies on this podcast then and show what white knights we can be. And <laughs> let's go there. Let's just do wow. that. <laughs> okay, we we are we are so far <laughs> off the rails here. We have fallen down an esports well, rabbit end, hole. At the, here. at the end of the day, Rocket League okay. is a thrilling esport to watch. So if you've never seen it you can just go on youtube and probably rewatch rlcs from last week and just see what you think I'm I mean, gonna it and by the way the one thing that um i don't know if it's the company psionics that owns rocket league which is not owned by epic games by the way they have done in my opinion an outstanding job at getting <laughs> broadcasters uh announcers um people in the that do the play-by-play, I think, are excellent. The people that do the analysis, I think, are excellent. Um, it, it's very professional. It comes across as very professional. And I, I just think, like, in five, ten years, like, Rocket League is going to be a really big deal. I'll check it out. Yeah. Well, supposedly, um, like, the 2K leagues supposed to be a lot of fun to watch. Like, basically, electronic... Oh, I have some uh, rants about NBA 2K. Basketball. Oh, yeah. I've heard that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a whole thing. Inter- interesting. Anyway, um, not not that I'm trying to discount what you're saying. Uh, the Cavs. Let's, let's wrap up a little Cavs talk here. So, Kevin Love, decent game in the second half. Uh, had most of his points in the second half, 16 points. Um Colin second Sexton, the Cavs own Rocket. Yeah, see see what I did there? The Cavs <laughs> playing Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. There we go. You know, time. That was it pretty all good, but I really like um, Blaze Pascal where it's B A B L A Z E. That was Oh, really that was nice. nice. That was nice. Um yeah, I mean the Cavs they played well in the first half. They totally took off about 20 minutes in the second half and did just enough to win at the end. And uh, let's be honest, Charlotte's not a very good team, but I mean, I mean, I feel like both these teams have guys that may not necessarily be on that team, their team at the end of the season. Like I was actually really impressed with Marvin Williams, uh, 10 points, four boards, four assists, uh, two or four from three, but 
like he had that one play where he just dove out of bounds to get the ball, had a couple really timely threes, um, some, you know, just really clutch baskets. Um, I feel like he's a veteran that could definitely help some teams. Um, Tristan Thompson, I mean, I feel like he's probably the most likely to get traded from this Cavs team. Uh, would you guys, you think Tristan yes, over Kevin true. Love or? Tristan's definitely going before Kevin Love. I, I like I like the Marvin really? the Marvin Williams talk because yeah, so this was like what I posted shortly in the like live thread about why Love won't get traded. He makes too much money, and like Marvin Marvin Williams, like yeah, he's yeah. not Kevin Love, but at the same time, he makes a quarter of the money he does, and he gets points. He shoots threes. He's probably shooting at a higher three point percentage than Love is, and like, oh, you just think there's competition for Kevin Love's skill set? Yeah, definitely. Love is a ripoff right now. Well, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, Love is got three more years at thirty one, thirty one, and twenty nine million. Uh, and if you can get eighty percent of what Kevin Love does for what Marvin Williams does like well the whole thing too is like you do that when people think of trading kevin love the league is kind of changed like teams don't really have three maxed out guys anymore like they're starting to they're starting to realize that the depth matters no and they're starting to realize that that china money yeah but like the depth (laughs) well that depth like definitely matters like portland's is gonna cap if they trade for kevin love they're just capped out like who are they going to add that brings them to the next level? Forever, yeah. Like that, right? And then you. But isn't it just something got... like? Isn't it just a timing thing? Because to me, Tristan, I don't know that he's uh, that. Well, yeah, Tristan's in the last year of his contract, whereas Kevin Love has got three more years after. But this couldn't contract. you see a team that's like maybe a little bit early, like I don't know, like a Dallas or just not necessarily them, but a team like them that's like, ooh, maybe we can compete sooner than we thought maybe now's the time for our window and they get closer to the trade deadline and they're like man we could really use kind of a jack of all trades big man that can fit into a you know an offense with lots of passing i get that right now everyone's like oh caleb's too expensive but it just seems like every year around the trade deadline you get the teams that decide all right our time is now and they're the become the buyers you know and then you get teams like Cavs who are going to be sellers so there's no one that anyone's projecting on the horizon, like where he'd be a good fit on this kind of team and they might be interested if, or, or that just like people. I don't know. I can't think of any teams that really need him. Like you, didn't you mention Miami, Nate? I mentioned Miami. Um, he would make sense in Miami. Um, the problem is, is you'd have to take on James Johnson and I mean, Deion I'm all about bringing Dion to work, but he's oh, just a 30 minute Oh man, Dion! Dion, who just got suspended for the third, third time this year. Yeah. Wait, he got suspended again after the gummy? No. Oh, nice. Yeah, he, for yeah, what? he did. Yeah, he did. Yes. Did you hear about this, David? So he called off sick, and then he posted pictures of him on oh. in Miami. <laughs> he's the, he's just the oh, man. Yes. <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> And you know, as he got suspended, <laughs> he just yelled "and one." <laughs> Uh, he, he, I mean, he, he sucks uh, for life. Probably he got paid enough now. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's making twelve mil per. I mean, he got. 
I don't know. I mean, he'll probably be bankrupt two years after leaving the NBA. It's crazy like, to think Pablo that, Torrey like your said, statement, but... right? Oh, my God. Don't even get me. <laughs> what does Pablo Torre say or Pablo S. Torres? You're just trying to... You're you just... haven't heard this. Tom is oh, right I... about this. No, no I've heard this. Time. I've heard it. That's why I said it. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're you're like you're like you're trolling trying, back at me. Yeah, no, I, you're just trying to get me. Sorry about that. <laughs> I should have gone with it, David. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't take good cues there. No, but what if I saying? if I ever became famous, like if I ever got 15 minutes of fame, like you know how right now people get on TV and they say like Epstein didn't kill himself, I would just start. <laughs> I would just start ranting about that Pablo Estorri article. People would be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? That and uh, Strawberry Quick. Oh, man. Strawberry <laughs> Strawberry Quick. I forgot this, to tell you. Is this the map so, that's sweeping your city? No. Why did I do it? Why did I oh, do it? No. Yes, 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 David. No, I... Uh, oh, my gosh, Nate. I went to... Uh, did you do Strawberry Quick? What's happening right now? No, I didn't. Tom, no, what are you doing? Like, but the guy just, that I had that conversation the, with on LinkedIn, yeah, he is now like on the board of trustees at Wright State. Okay, so I found out about that because I went to Wright State and I was there like, a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to some people, and then like someone mentioned his name, I was like, no, and I was like, I've got a good story about that guy. <laughs> And that that's your whole story, like yeah. Is but there it, more? No, it's just like to me, that's like a disqualifying p- event, <laughs> like for a position of you know of importance. Yeah, it's like okay, you f- you fell for an internet hoax and like published it to the whole. All all you got to do to be on the board of anything is either <laughs> is be somebody's son. So you know. <laughs> He's he's probably he's probably like uh, Mitch McConnell's kid or something like that's probably how he got on the board. He's the Hunter Biden of right state. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, it, it just feels like anybody like the ultimate. I I know you hate the word, but the ultimate like validation privilege. of of white privilege is being on some kind of like corporate or educational board. It's just, that's, and you just get free money to sit. That sounds like the American dream. It really, it really is. Yeah. And, or like the best is when I'm going to, I'm going to shut my mouth before I get fired. So I'm just going to stop talking. I will. (laughs) Although you know, not from tabs of blog from a job that actually pays. (laughs) If you, if you catch my meaning. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the Charlotte actually has some guys that are playing pretty good. Devonte Graham, number two in the NBA, in made threes before. Wait, Devontae tonight. Graham is two and nine tonight, and uh, oh dang, yeah, and made threes. He he's got to be like top ten for assists too, or close to it. Threes. Yeah, he's playing really well. Um, except he and Macal Bridges are terrible defensive players and Mikel Bridges has kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit in terms of I like Mikel Bridges is beefy like, he reminds me of like sure. Carmelo Anthony's body type when he came into the league I or Miles Bridges sorry not Mikel Mikel oh. plays for Phoenix Miles oh, right. plays for Charlotte yeah but yeah the like, one that was playing tonight Miles he's a beefy guy beefy. <laughs> yeah he is he he 
he kind of has like that. He's kind of like a smaller Sean May. Sean May, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to bring back an earlier yeah. pod, a podcast yeah. we had a couple of weeks ago. That's so fun, well Nate. Oh, thank you. Um, and actually, the other guy I like on that team is MKG. Like, I feel like if MKG ever got to a good team, yeah, like, so he has to learn how to make a shot. You can't. Well, he's a really well. The no, he's the Tristan go. Thompson of wings. He's the trick or, <laughs> trick or treat Tony. Reborn. But trick or treat Tony was a good cutter. Yeah, he kind of is. Although that's true. No, MKG is a good cutter. He just can only finish around the basket. It's just he can't shoot at all. Um because he has the weirdest jumper in NBA history. He like he is the anti Sean Marion jumper. You remember how like to watch the shooters touch with Mark Price. The is this a video? Oh yeah. You've seen it. Right? It's an instructional video. Yeah, with him and Larry. Nice. I've been doing a lot of um, teaching of uh, my daughter how to shoot. Um, who, how to shoot? Yeah, because and one thing that drives me. Oh, I love knockout. Like, do you know what knockout is? Oh yeah, I love knockout. See, the problem with knockout when you're like in third or fourth grade, yeah, uh, third habit. or fourth grade girls, it just builds bad habits. Yeah. Like they want to shoot really quickly, and some of them just don't have the strength mm-hmm. to shoot from a free throw line. So sh- they're shooting these two handed shots. I'm like, no, no. If I catch you shooting the shot, you're going to run laps. Like, <laughs> like, you have to have good form. I don't care if you don't even hit the rim. Stop. Stop. And that's the problem with all the ball brothers is their dad had them shooting half-court shots at, like, nine years old. <laughs> and that's why they all shoot that crazy two-handed jump shot, which is horrible. And the same way that uh, Kevin Porter Jr. shoots. Uh have you seen? It's he's weird. He like loops it around in front shot. of his face. It, he, yeah, and he has his hand way cocked back, like under. Well, his if you chin. watch Steve Nash, shoots kind of weird, but he has but, a great jump shot. He, oh yeah, Steve. He Nash like it looks weird because his el- his elbow is so perfect. Like um, yeah, it's like two under the ball. Oh yeah, it's like two perfect. Yeah. Yeah, no, at, but that's the problem with knockout. And I've been I've been teaching my daughter like, don't ever shoot. Get rid of this two handed jump shot. Don't rush your shot when you're so on the free you, throw line in knockout. That's when you are don't you teaching rush them to f- do it underhanded since that's a more efficient shot Sorry, go ahead. for the free throw line. It is. It's scientifically no, true. I, I listened to a podcast true. about it. <laughs> Social stigma stops us from shooting that way. <laughs> You listen to a podcast on social. <laughs> yeah, who was the player that? Who was it about? Rick, was it about Rick, Rick Barry and how yeah, like Shaq it, said he? Whoever the older player was, his kid does it in college too. Like shoots underhanded free throws. It might have been Rick Barry or not Bill. Well, none of Rick Barry's kids but, shot underhand, but Rick Barry offered to teach like um, Shaq how to shoot free throws, and he had some famous quote about. He'd rather never make a free no, throw. Who was, who like was the shooting. NBA player that shot underhanded free throws, though? Way back in the day. It was, oh, now I've got to look it up because it's somebody in the last what? couple of years. Yeah. No, well, no, there's I listened to this on podcast about how the like they looked at the physics of a shot and doing it underhanded, there's less overall motion and it's a more consistent thing. 
but people won't do it because they're too embarrassed yeah. to do it. But it's a more efficient way to shoot it and consistent. Hmm. Tom, the internet told me this, so Oluwaku it's true. Brings back. Okay, so it's a foreign player that didn't suffer from the American social stigma of shooting granny style. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's American or not. Um, Chinanu Onu. Uh, now I got to look up who Chinanu Onu Rick Barry. is. That's what I said. Oh, I, that's what I'm talking Rick about. Barry you guys made me. Did... Thank you, David. What you say? But none of Barry's kids shot like under him. John Barry, Brent Barry. Oh. Okay, so Chinanu Onuaku is from Maryland, so he was not. Uh, so he played at Maryland, he or he still la- does? He's from Maryland. He was oh. born in Maryland, so he grew Does up this in guy play in the NBA? Yes, he Look, here's, he here's a quote from, from Will Chamberlain. He tried shooting underhanded free throws. He said, uh, I feel or I felt silly like a sissy shooting underhanded. I know I was wrong. He wrote that in his autobiography. (laughs) Well, he apparently had relations with like over 10,000 women. So (laughs) if he if he shot underhanded, it might have only the other part of it. The other part of it. Yeah, if he shot underhanded, it might have been like 9,000. Oh, I guess. I guess one of Rick Barry's I told you in uh, college did shoot underhanded free throw. Canyon okay, Barry. It's not one of his sons, is Who, it? It's one of his descendants. No, it's his his grandson. His sons are all like in I their believe. 40s um, and 50s now. Canyon Barry of the Florida Gators took that to an 88 Hold on, I'm searching on my phone cuz I don't want to mess up my CPU processor. <laughs> Your CPU processor is a redundant <laughs> statement, Your David. Central oh. processing unit well. processor. Yeah. It's like Nick card. Just like it's your network interface GPS card. system card. is uh, redundant. Yeah. Canyon Berry. Canyon it is. His, oh, it's Rick. That sounds like. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a porn star name. It's Rick Berry's son. John Canyon Berry. I think. It's Rick. Oh, it's his like last kid. Yeah, because he had oh, kids way like, late. Second marriage kid or oopsie kid. Second okay. wife kid, yeah. But see, I'll say the other side of that though is that if you want to practice your jump shot and get your rhythm on your jump shot, then shooting That's underhand true. isn't going to help you. Yeah, because like, you're not ever going to use it. Otherwise, now you have yeah. two different. Now you have two different yeah, totally. shooting mechanics. Well, how do you feel about you jump? How do you feel well, about jumping if, on the shot? You know, yeah, that's what I think. I wonder if some people would be better off just shooting a jump shot. Jumping uh, on no, no, no I'm not talking about that. I mean, in general. <laughs> well, Mark Price, Mark Price jumped when he shot free throws, didn't he? It seems like uh, oh, he didn't. Okay, I don't think anyone really ever. Jumped Are you allowed to free throws? Yeah, you can. You just can't end up over. I remember like T Mac and then Kyrie would stand like a foot and a half behind the line. That was kind of different. Yeah. Oh my God. Colin Sexton wrote the best Kyrie Irving piece today. It was so good. Colin Sexton wrote about Kyrie. They're not. Dang it. Colin McGowan. (laughs) Former CTV editor Colin McGowan wrote a really good Kyrie Irving piece today. Just about what a ridiculous human being uh, Kyrie Irving is. 
which we all know yeah, is he, true. He, um, aren't they playing Brooklyn soon? I'm glad Kyrie's like remember, status but... as an NBA player is back down to a reasonable level. I just could never get over just how people acted like the guy was like NBA first team, like his second year in the league. And it's like, look, this guy's flashy, but he's not actually that he's not a complete basketball player in any way, shape or form. And now I think after the Boston debacle, people realize like, okay, he's an offensive wizard, but he's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because nothing has ever really happens in the NBA unless you've pissed off Laker or Boston stands. Like until that happens, it didn't really happen. Amen. (laughs) How has New Orleans lost 13 in a row? I didn't realize they were so horrible. I flew too close to the sun and I tried to Google stuff while I was recording. And it just was, I, it was probably my fault that the podcast died. So I didn't, I didn't conserve precious resources of computing. Don't you have a real computer too? I do have a real computer, but. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, what did Colin Sexton say about Kyrie? Because I missed. You mean Colin McGowan? <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you said yeah. Colin. You said yeah, Colin Sexton at one point, and then you yeah. didn't hear him because I challenged him on that too, and he was. Like, oh, yeah, no, it's Colin McGowan. Oh, I was like, so excited. Okay, when so this is that. what he said. I thought it was funny. Perhaps you are straining to be taken seriously. That's the impression I get whenever Kyrie Irving holds court in a post-game presser or pecks out another maundering dispatch from beyond the mind mind veil. The speech, oft prompted by the third clause and under-researched in the first place, veers and veers through Brett Easton Ellis-style indictments of society, <laughs> microwave hippie <laughs> sentiment, highly conspiratorial uses of the word they, frayed anti-capitalist theory from a guy who once started a feature-length Pepsi commercial, and the veering is itself the key to the argument, meant to convey a certain illimitable expansiveness of the mind, as if Kyrie can't express himself correctly within a conventional sentence structure, or accept criticism without fully contextualizing himself and his place in the universe. And now that we've traveled baffled the whole time from what happened on the out-of-bounds set in the fourth quarter all the way to the very geist of being... <laughs> he is about world peace these days. You can clearly see that he's considered the situation from every angle and determined that actually he hasn't done anything wrong. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> like Kyrie, that is being, a- Kyrie being for world peace is the same eye roll. He gets the same eye roll for me that I get every one of those um, – home buying shows you watch on like HGTV. Oh, where... you, you, basically what is on in my house when it's not a cooking yeah, show. Right. Exactly. So you know how like you, you've probably seen this a million times. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it's usually the woman and there's usually a couple and they walk in and they tell the realtor something to the extent of we're, we're really interested in an open concept. <laughs> open floor plan. Yeah, and the way they say it is like, maybe you've heard of that. Like, we're not sure. <laughs> like, we think we invented it. Like, we think we're the first people that probably ever came to you and asked you for an open concept. And that's like, the tone why of Why, you Philistine, don't you understand what this is? Like, why can't you, um, from, from our vain... Rambling, no, it, right? It's just, what we meant and what we wanted. Like, no, it's why not. Haven't you figured it's, this out it's yet? just, it's just hilarious because it's like 
the realtor knows what an open concept is because literally every <laughs> single person that the realtor talks to every day says from like 2010 to today, we want an open concept because that's yeah. all the rage. But what's hilarious to me is the tone of voice they use, like like they're being somehow clever. It's like, you're not clever. You're saying the same shit everyone else says. So Just have like you Kyrie. reached the stage in your life where like you have to find things to watch with your children at the same time? when you're watching TV. So it's either a cooking show or a home improvement show. Well, we mostly because still you can have, only watch so yeah. many cartoons. No, I mean, I'm still racking up cartoons at this point, oh, nice. but no, I mean, I'll get to that point. I've actually been thinking about it more for video games. Like we were playing super Mario galaxy the other day and super That's Mario galaxy. Game. It is. And galaxy and galaxy two allow a second player with the Wiimote to actually contribute. Yeah, to, and and uh, collect the stars. Exactly. So I, we had my daughter doing that, and she was all into it. And she was pretty good. She was, like, you know, thwarting the chomps who were going after me by, like, freezing them in their tracks and things like that. So nice. that's really what I've been – because <laughs> Rocket League is – them young. Rocket League is too hard and probably too stimulating for little kids. So yeah. we're looking for more – kind of like mario type slow paced games yeah it's funny like and it's funny the movies like both my my youngest was way my oldest was way into frozen when it came out but then Mm -hmm. my youngest now is like she's straddling the frozen and frozen 2 um and i'm sure i mean your daughters i'm sure in the thick of it now have you seen frozen 2 yet no i heard it was like too intense for little kids (laughs) I don't. I don't know. It should have come with a trigger warning. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I just heard it's not like happy go lucky. It's kind of kind of. Yeah, intense. I don't. I don't know anything about it because I. My I my wife and my kids are not about intense at all. I I see. <laughs> they like things like, to be very lighthearted. And it's funny because my oldest <clears throat> is like just on the tail end of all the original Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. So before it all got 3D, so like she really liked the original Little Mermaid. Well, oh, yeah, there's yeah. only one Little Mermaid, and then even all those straight to video sequels mm-hmm. that they had, and uh, and it's funny because she, my cousin. So I, my dad's youngest brother had a first cousin, or had his last kid, who's my youngest first cousin, uh, was born the same day as my daughter so they're the same age and he the, everybody in their family calls him like because his oldest was 17 when he was born so th- she and her brother called him that dumb baby um <laughs> okay <laughs> and basically like their story is that he ruined their lives like instead of like partying and doing fun stuff when she was in college she just had to come home every weekend and babysit but mm. <laughs> he had like this preternatural power like to know the Lion King had to always be on. And if you, if the Lion King was on and literally no one was watching it, he would, it would be like, okay, can we turn the Lion King off? And then like from five rooms away, he'd be like, no, no, you can't turn the Lion King off. Turn it back on. Turn it back on. No. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so like forever, they called him that dumb baby. And then the other <laughs> funny story about him was, so I've got two older cousins. One was 17 and one was 15 when he was born. So the 17-year-old was in college. And the, the my cousin Thomas, who's the young one, like wouldn't – they couldn't potty train him. Like he would go pee, 
but he would not poop on his own. Like, and, and so they left him with, with my cousin Keenan, and he's like, yeah, I'm not changing you. So if, if, if you are going to go to the bathroom, you're going to either change yourself or you're going to go on the pot. And he's like, oh, okay, whatever. That's fine. You'll change me. And then he's like, so he like fed him a bunch of food. And then he's like, why don't we go play on the trampoline? <laughs> so he went and played on the trampoline and he's like, like 10 minutes later, he's like, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm not changing you. <laughs> and she's like, and that's how I house broke that kid in a week, in a weekend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Wait, yeah. you did that? No, that was my cousin's. This oh. is a story my cousin told. So, and, and my cousin, Chelsea, who you should um, write a parenting book. <laughs> I mean, he should he should yeah. but my cousin my cousin chelsea uh who is the oldest of that clan now does improv in washington so if, ah. if, if you see uh if you see chelsea doing improv in washington say say hi to her from her cousin nate washington so, dc or washington yeah State? yeah she's a oh, lobbyist so oh, dang. wow yeah does she do yeah i come from an accomplished family i don't yeah. know what happened to me so <laughs> Anyway, hanging, we are kind of way off me. the track here. So I did have some things I wanted to ask you about because there's been a lot of moving and shaking in the NBA in the last few weeks. And I know last time we talked a little bit about, you know, what was wrong with the NBA, why nobody's watching. And, you know, my theory is that uh, the biggest reason is because we have tanking teams that are actively trying to lose games and which makes the entire competitive balance not work. But the new th- idea was the in-season tournament. Like, what do you guys think of the in-season tournament idea? Which is basically like Adam Silver outsourcing being commissioner of the league to Bill Simmons. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was I, his idea. I honestly like. I like it. Did you listen to the Bill Simmons podcast where he refines idea and it involves like recently? Yeah. No, yeah. I have not. So, All right. so give us a synopsis. So basically he says you have this in-season tournament with the teams. There's like two sides. Does like, he still call it the exciting as hell tournament? No, it's like the Bill, <laughs> okay. or, uh, the Bill Russell tournament and then the Wilt Chamberlain tournament. So like the good teams are in one. Good, I don't want to even know what the Bill, what the Wilt Chamberlain tournament is. Like, yeah. It just, sounds like a lot of extracurricular activity. Yeah. It's, just, it's just like your team sucks and you're not going to win anything. Like the okay. um, but one of them's for crappy teams, I think, and one's for good teams. The good so like team, the NIT. Yeah, uh, it's like the yeah, NIT, yeah. and the, yeah. So like the, I think that's exactly what it's like. The good teams are basically playing for you're guaranteed the thirtieth pick in the draft or the thirty first pick in the draft, and something something else like that. The crappy teams are playing where if they win, they're guaranteed like a lottery pick or something like that. But like the thing that was cool about it is it cuts it like his whole thing is the tournament is based to cut games down, overall games in the league down to 72. <sighs> so you award points like a first round round win in the tournament is two points. If you move on, the next ones like the next rounds worth three points, and then the championship round, if you win, is worth four points, which are essentially just wins that get tacked to the record. So it's to shorten the season, but then like you have these games that still make it where you can still have an eighty-two game record thing or eighty-two points in a season. Yeah, he explains it a lot better, but it made sense and it seemed entertaining. And why not do it? 
I honestly, between you and me, I like the symmetry of the 82 game season. Like all the records are based on that. You and I, Tom, did you know wrap them and APM? Yeah. You know how great that the fact that everybody kind of has the same data set in the NBA, how great that is for analytics, right? Oh yeah. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Come on. That's a that's a terrible argument. You're going to do it for analytics. No, it's not. It's not that you're going to do it for. It's just it's got it's going to be that that will be a big part of the backlash against any regular season changes at all. Even if it's just something simple as like you have less games, you'll have yeah people saying like, well, in my day, you know. I mean, yeah, they should mess with honestly. If anything. I think the NBA just needs maybe do they need like, to get more creative for sure. Just have a play in series at the end of the season that the number eight, nine team do a, a five game series for who gets the eighth seed or something. I don't know. I, or make the first, like they need to do something with the first round where if like if you if a team wins the first two and they're the they're the team with a better record, they just move on something like that. Yeah, but why would the NBA cut down the number of games? I mean, if we're, a, I'm talking about a dream league. In the playoffs. Like, the playoffs is not where they need to cut down games. So, I don't know. What do you think of all this tournament stuff, Dom? I think they need to do something. I, I just think it's gotten stale. No one cares about the regular season. Um. I don't know. I feel like the biggest thing is they got to get rid of back to backs because too many teams are just resting guys on back to backs. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's all kinds of issues, but the other I'll, issue is they've got to <laughs> learn to flex games on national TV. Oh games. my like, god! Yeah. How many freaking Pelicans games did they put on this year? And the yeah. Pelicans are or Warriors games, and they're both terrible. Yep. Yep. It's a good point. I mean, that's the biggest issue to me is, like, you booked all these games and you don't know what the teams are going to look like. You actually have more parity this year, so the te- league should be more exciting, except you booked these awful teams, like, on a third of your games. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, I agree. That's I a big know. issue. So what other, um, like, so, David, you were talking about... So the regular season, would you get a, like a regular season trophy for winning, and it would help you towards seeding? Is that how it works? Well, yeah, because you get the extra points if you win the tournament. His logic. Plus, but, you get a draft pick. Yeah, it was something like that. I hate that idea. For real, but, uh, like, why would players want to play so a team could draft the um, their replacement? Like, why would players want to do? That? I never thought about that. Like, that's the biggest problem with it. See, I honestly think they need to do something where the league is split in half with, like, teams that typically are in the luxury tax and then teams that aren't, and somehow they equalize the way the money's spent. Since all the money's coming into one, like, make it where there's some mathematical formula where, like, like, a team that typically doesn't pay the luxury tax, like, gets free money to go into the luxury tax or something like that to just equalize it among all the teams. See, my biggest thing, you know, would be the absolute, like would end tanking forever Hmm. is you expand to 32 teams, but the bottom two teams every year get relegated to the G league. 
Oh my god. That would be awesome. Like you would end tanking. You would, yeah. It it would like, be great just for the first two real franchises that get relegated. Oh the first yeah. year. That would be you mean the, best the Knicks part. and the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> it probably probably not the best idea for, for Cavs fans. But yeah, the bottom two teams just get relegated every year. Like you would not see tanking anymore. Well, you'd have to make you'd have to open up the G League. Would have to have an NBA level salary cap. No, no, those two teams <laughs> still have the NBA team. They just have to play in the G League for the <laughs> so next, for the next an, year. It's just embarrassment. It is. And then it, I think it'd be awesome. And then, like, and it would just totally destroy their <laughs> revenues and all that. I think it would be great. I, like that. I mean, I, like- I think. Tanking is the biggest problem in the NBA because you literally have teams that are trying to lose basketball games. Yeah. Like you're the Cavs are starting two six one guards that can't play any defense and are not that good on offense because they're trying to lose basketball games. Like just get rid of the incentive to lose basketball games. I'm a pro- like, I'm a proponent of that rotating like the drafting they want like there's been talk about where they introduce where you just get your picks on a set schedule. Like I'm a fan oh, of that. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. The problem with that is there are some years that the number one pick is really good, like the Anthony Davis year or the uh uh what was the la- or the Zion, Zion Williamson. Yeah. I mean well, the- if he can be healthy, but there are some years where like the number one pick is not very good. That's or fine. There's, there's some years that the number one pick is Anthony is- Bennett. Yeah. No, there's some years that the number one pick is um, Dark uh, DeAndre Ayton, and you every and the Kings and the Suns do the stupidest thing in the world and don't play take the best player, and then the Mavericks t- trade up for the best player, and everybody involved that didn't take Luka Doncic looks like a moron. I mean, what's wrong with that, though? Like, if you know where your pick's coming, I mean, it's the same thing as a team sucking. You should suck regardless. If you're, it'd be like, you need to have natural sucking. And if your pick sucks, <laughs> like the pick that you're going to get that year sucks, that's just how it is. Well, you know? yeah. It's a yeah, more, I mean, there's a certain amount of luck involved anyway. Yeah. So. I mean, I feel like that's the other big problem is that there's so many teams that are bad at drafting and developing players. Um, and that we are drafting guys like you're seeing a it's kind of coming around like four year players are starting to be good again or three or four year players like you know Matisse Tybel and Brandon Clark and um oh who's the Malcolm Brogdon you know uh some of these guys that are four year guys are actually coming into the league and being pretty good right away and it's like Oh, maybe these guys that developed a little bit, it's worth drafting these guys rather than these guys. Like, I feel like Darius Garland isn't going to be good for two more years at the minimum. And if he is good, then, like, would it have been better to just draft a better player? I don't know. I wonder how much of it is, like, you just kind of become less stupid. Just that four-year <laughs> oh. period, because I'm, I'm well because you are never dumber in your life than when you're from 19 to 22. Yeah, and then if you give, if <laughs> yeah. you give a 19-year-old four million dollars, that just forwards yeah. the dumbness, so it just kind of slows down the process of getting less dumb. 
Oh, you know, no, it's totally true. Like I was listening to Kornheiser today and they were talking about um, Paul Tagliabue uh, from the NFL. Like a famous quote from him is like, you know, 75% of my job is just telling 19 year old idiots to not be 19 year old idiots. You know, they're just not going to make good decisions. So, yeah, I, I think that's a huge problem is the players coming into the league are just too young. But I've said that before, and we're, we're you know, beating a dead horse into the ground. So um, what we really need to talk about is, is, some, is some dad talk. Dad so, talk. Tom, you had a, had a couple stories. Well, I told you um, about how I fell off my ladder, right? Yeah, you told me how you <laughs> fell off your ladder, but there was... One at the beginning of this podcast, what was David asking you about? I don't know. What was he asking me about? No, no. I have the dad talk question. Oh, David. Oh, okay. David. I, Let's not steal his thunder. Let's go, David. All right, all right. Do you guys wear jeans ever? Yeah. I, I literally wear jeans. I have two out-of-the-house modes of pants, and one is jeans, and one is like, uh, you know, Adidas runners. All right. Do you guys talk you know, your like, like a Russian gangster. Do yes. you, talk, you do tuck your shirt into your jeans. Yeah, absolutely. Depends. When did you start doing this? When I started using jeans as a khaki replacement, like five yeah, years so ago. Yeah, so we have at work, we have what's called smart denim, which is you can wear <laughs> jeans, but they can't have any rips or stains or anything. But it's generally frowned upon that you don't wear a belt. Um, that, that you that you if you don't tuck your shirt in. So you, yeah. you generally have to tuck your shirt in. But now, so the next thing that happened was after we got smart denim, we got, you could wear branded t-shirts of the company brands. And so now you have all these people with t-shirts and jeans, like, and some people tuck them in and some don't, but my new move is I do the flannel shirt unbuttoned with the corporate logo t-shirt Mm-hmm. And then I tuck the corporate logo T-shirt in, but keep the flannel unbuttoned, and most of the time with the sleeves rolled up. Because- now, what? So this is the thing. So I'm at a crossroads. I'll tell you after you answer this. Stuff. <laughs> so why do you tuck your shirt in? Just because? Um, do you tuck your shirt in when you're not at work? <sighs> not really. Not not if I'm around the house. I don't. Sometimes I need the extra width just to keep my pants up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes you just need that gravity to keep keep the pants up. Like especially when I go to bowling, like bowling for some reason is, is an activity that makes your pants fall down. <laughs> and there's a guy on my team with no butt, okay? And like every time he bowls like as soon as he's done bowling, like his pants are halfway down his butt. You can see his underwear, and he has to hike his pants up. Like every time he goes up to bowl, and so like I'm like super self conscious about it. So I'm like, oh, I better tuck my pants in. I better go to the next notch on my belt here. Oh crap, my belt's too tight. I can't bend down to bowl far enough. So <laughs> it's a whole dilemma. <laughs> and this is why getting old sucks, David. So I've started, I'll occasionally tuck my shirt in, but it's because I'd like my back to feel warm. (laughs) When you're like doing stuff and like moving and grooving and like bending over, you know, your shirt comes up. Well, and that's the other reason for tucking your shirt in is so you're not showing, so you're not showing the nickel slot either. Yeah. 
and I wear so I work in a kitchen. I wear like, of course, I wear chef pants because if you're gonna get paid money, you might as well. So, what are chef pants? Ah, so they're (laughs) we're learning so much tonight. Look, they're just like they're glorified sweatpants, but for some reason, it's socially acceptable in a kitchen environment to wear them. It's like a more professional thing. I'll send you a picture. It's great. It's like you're wearing sweatpants to work and you're getting paid to wear sweatpants. <laughs> so like whenever that's an opportunity, you have to take it. Of course. Wow. But, but I've started tucking my shirt in there too because it's warmer because then I have my chef coat on over it and I keep very warm. I don't have to worry about bending over or anything. But I before I was too vain to tuck my shirt in. Now I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, you know what? I tuck my shirt in. I look a little more professional when I'm out in public and my back keeps warm. Yeah. I think it depends on the shirt too. Like you can't like any shirt that you would have to wear a tie with, you have to tuck it in, right? Yeah, or else you look like you're in an emo band. <laughs> if, if you don't tuck it in. Um exactly. But like the flannel shirt that I wear a lot, like that that's optional. So. Oh, I don't talk yeah, to that's the, my new, I, I don't talk that's to flannel. That's my go-to move is um, the rolled up flannel shirt, um, unbuttoned with the tucked in shirt. And then, um, I, I, cause I feel like, so my excuse for this is, even though it doesn't always look that professional is like, well, the women can always wear the cover ups over the t-shirt and they have like, or the little poncho thing they wear. So like, why can't that's the guy's version of that. So Tom, you still there? I'm here. Are you weighing in on all this? Or are you just in shock? I'm in shock. <laughs> but I mean, I would say that I have followed, you know, business, uh, <clears throat> business attire the last couple of years, and okay. it has it has gotten more casual. And I got some of my people kind of pushing the line now, so we'll see yeah. where this all goes. But. It was funny when I worked at a university, like in the nineties, there was a guy that would show up in a South Park shirt, black sweatpants and a fanny pack. (laughs) (laughs) I worked for for the short period of time. I worked with like a newspaper doing advertorial work. I used to have to wear like a suit and it was the most absurd thing ever because I rode my bike to work. I was like, this makes Charlotte. No, this was in Chicago. One of oh, my friends okay. got me a job. It wasn't like a super hot place. No, no, yeah. One of my friends got me a job doing advertorial, but I was only riding a bike then, so I rode my bike to work. After a, you, you, you did the Jim Halpert. Yeah, it was awful because the whole time all I'm thinking is, don't get my like, don't get my pants dirty, don't get my pants dirty. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so do you have any more dad questions for us? Yeah. Um, what, can we, what can we do for you? No, that, so, that was the biggest dad question I had today. Okay, that's a good, that's a good dad question, Tom. You you were telling. Oh us wait, you had, do you guys wear long underwear? That was the other question. No, I well, I did when I lived in Alaska, but I have was, some, but I probably wear it once a year, maybe. No, right. because I'm, I've gotten to the age where I'm a bigger guy. I'm not like a huge guy, but definitely. Like that's why I roll the sleeves up because I get hot and I don't need to sweat more than I already do. So yeah, like, um, I will, it's so hit or miss. I will walk to lunch like in twenty degree weather with just my shirt on. So just cool down a bit. So 
you're asking the wrong guy. But when I lived in Alaska, I wore long underwear all the time. So, what, what's what's the take on long underwear from you, David? I I enjoy long underwear. So I like <laughs> I like being outside sometimes. But you know, like there's only so many days you can wear it. I wore it like recently, and I had to go to a like an event with my girlfriend, and it was like her family. And it was, it was like way hot because it was at an old person's house. So it was like at 75 <laughs> degrees or something. And the whole time I was like, oh, my God, I feel so sweaty. I was like contemplating. I'm like, can I get away with taking them off in the bathroom and like hiding them somewhere? <laughs> I didn't do it. But that's all I could think the whole time. I was like, oh, my oh, God. Man, I, so I think hot. he was a never long underwear guy. Me? Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to be out in the snow or something or going to be doing that work happen that often down by your neck of the woods though no that's what i'm saying i mean maybe once yeah. a year i'll wear it if i just feel like you know what i'm really going to be outside a long time today and well yeah, part of the problem like, is part of the problem is i like don't great lakes region conversation I, I would definitely not wear long underwear except i don't have good snow pants so very often when i know i'm gonna be out in the snow all day i just do crazy layers i do long underwear yeah then i do like exactly. sweatpants then i do jeans then i do another thing of sweatpants over the top exactly. of that two and pairs like, of socks yeah two pairs of so- actually i figured out what to do there you do one pair of socks, then you do plastic bags, then you do another pair of socks what? over the No. Yeah, you do like what? you, you do be like, able to breathe. No, you do like grocery bags and that waterproofs them. And then you do another pair of socks over that. If if you just get a good pair of wool idea I've ever heard. If you just get a good or, pair of wool socks, they stay warm and you don't have to wash them. Or alpaca. <laughs> I'd I'd be down with alpaca socks. I petted I petted alpacas recently. Man, we this is officially the the oldest whitest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> and Tom is like, no, talk no absolute. This can't be about, the most of anything. We've talk got about what you know. Podcasts. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that's true. It's not the most anything we've had too many podcasts for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, talk about what you know. So, uh, Tom, any any stories, anything to uh, to kick out the jams? Oh, this man. Week? Oh, I got so many stories. What stories do I want to tell? Oh, okay. Um, so my company was small, and we got purchased by a larger company. And it's just insane to see like how much more process is involved when you're with a larger company. Nate, you're probably used to all this kind of stuff. Oh, I am very used to all this. Yeah. But like one of the things that's been most shocking to me is just how much in my opinion, like not only policies, but um, just how overwrought everything is. Like we hired, uh, we we hired an, we hired an intern who just started today was her first day. And like, she's an intern. She's going to work for like three weeks and then go back to school. And we're paying her like, you know, like 15 bucks an hour in like a really high end consulting industry. It's, it's, it's nothing really. And it took like a week and probably, I mean, the company collectively spent more money hiring her than they will pay her after after she yeah, works oh, for I totally three weeks. Agree. I totally believe that. And when she finally, like, when when, when the, the system, like, the, the auto bought, like, 9,000 out in a server somewhere that whatever, when, when she was finally, like, checked enough boxes to be considered hired, it sent out an automated email and I got it and I read it and it was fine. It was like kind of a synopsis of the hire. And then I look at my email and it like says me and it says like a couple other people. And then I see plus 87 (laughs) 
And I'm like, wait, what? And I click on this and I'm like, how the heck? Like the CEO of this like 1200 person company was on this. All these people that I've never heard of are on this. Like how is one tenth of your company getting an auto notification email about an intern that's going to work for three weeks at your little small like Dayton satellite, you know, office. I, I just so I I've was, got a question for you. Tom. I was like, dude, that's the listserv, the power of the listserv. Tom, I got a question for you. How many emails do you get a day? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Probably anywhere from. On a, on a low day, I get like 15. On a high day, I may get like 45 maybe. Are you get? I get 200 to 1,000. Oh, my God. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm afraid that's where and this that's is what going. I don't, so I have to set up all these filters because I get a lot of system messages. Yeah. But I, I – so I have to well, filter you know all I can these, just tell you. I don't want to filter them all. What? I can just tell you actually how many I got today. Dude, I get like Don't a, ruin your CPU. A day yeah. missed a, a day missed a work, I have like 130 emails. Like actual emails that you have to go through. Yes. Like just from yeah. regional. No, like I mean that's regional. probably the number of emails that I have, and then I have system alerting messages like anywhere from another two hundred to a thousand oh, on top of it. It's so now, stupid. See, it's hard it's hard because of the way Outlook will group everything into conversations. So it's hard to like Oh, see, I don't do that. Exactly. Screw that you, noise. But okay. It looks like But today I, got... I cleared out my deleted messages and I had two hundred and sixty seven thousand deleted me- in my wow. deleted messages. How how much space do you guys get so our like the company i work for is very cheap and our thing like literally fills up after if you delete like 700 messages it fills up and you have to delete it i have so many things i gotta ask you when this podcast is over because i I know you don't want to name who you work for but i also am like that's so ridiculous because i know who you work for yeah i got like i got like 20 today nate and it was kind of a low it was kind of a, a slow day for email yeah, I had get so many emails. And then the other thing is I get all these alert messages and everybody else on my team just filters them out. And it's like, so why are we even sending these if they filter them out? So my whole <laughs> yeah. thing is I'm not going to filter these out. When I'm at work, I look at them. But if I go home and I get, you know, 300 overnight, I'll just filter all those out because I can't look at every single one. But I get so many where, like, I'm the only one that looked at this issue because everybody else just filtered them out. I mean, it's email is so insane how many emails you get. Yeah. I, well, we've just. All right, here's just the question. When you get yeah. junk solicitations, do you respond to them or do you just delete them? What'd you say, Tom? When Repeat you get, me, like, please. when you get solicitations, do you respond to them or do you just delete them? Or do you so forward personally them? Personally or professionally? Yeah, like at work, if someone says like, "Oh, you're in this position," like, "Can I? Can we talk about blah or blah?" Do you just ignore, delete, forward to someone else, or do you say like, "No, I'm not interested. Sorry," or whatever? Um, so I don't get a lot of outside of the company solicitations. They're really good about spam filtering, which yeah. is nice. Um, Inside the company, I try to respond to everything that has my name on it. But like, if there's this huge email thread with like 30 people on it, and I'm just like, I will, 
I try really hard to ignore what I can ignore, but there's yeah. a lot of stuff that I just can't. Yeah. Um, but I get so like I feel like my personal emails are just um spam I mean I have a Hotmail account and I have a Gmail account. My G- my Hotmail account is just literally just a spam collector. Uh-huh. Like that's all I get is just all targeted emails. I don't know. My Hotmail account they they feel like they're better about it. Mm. This is <laughs> like there's two people still tuned into this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> David, David anything to weigh in on here? I've nothing to weigh in. I uh well this is my this is my trick whenever I come back from vacation. I will just do the control A and delete all the emails <laughs> and play stupid. Nice. nice. That's my uh, that's yeah. my power trip. If you want to succeed in business, yeah, it's, it's it's not the worst idea. But I'm the kind of person that I like check email on vacation. Tom, do you check email on vacation? Oh, I check email all the time. I'm I work twenty four seven from a standpoint of can you reach me and make me think about work? Yes, you can. Yeah, I'm not good at turning off. Aren't you guys salaried? Number on every email. Yeah. Well, you guys are salaried, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm. See, I'm not salaried. I'm petty enough where if I get calls from work, I will track the time and put in for it. Nice. Like, well, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this podcast is getting long in the tooth. Anything you want to pitch, David? Uh. No, well, listen to Neil Young. He's not as bad as you previously thought. <laughs> Me? No, Neil Young. Oh, Neil Young's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, I used to hate on Neil Young a lot for some reason. Oh, okay. Just because that old well, man, Take a Look at Your Life song, I hated that song. But he's not as bad that after the Gold Rush album's decent. Yeah, it's a great album. But um, So if you want some Neil Young tips, I'll give you some Neil Young tips. But the other problem with Neil Young is I loved him for years and years and years, and then... In the last like three years, his wife died, and he left her like literally on her deathbed to hook up with Daryl Hannah. Uh, and, like, you know it's bad when David Crosby is telling you what an asshole you are. <laughs> so yeah, Neil Young kind of kind of a dick, but really talented. Um, and I was singing Neil Young songs this morning because there is no Pearl Jam without Neil Young because Neil Young is the godfather of grunge. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, Tom, what do you want to pitch? Um, what do I want to pitch? Well, um, I I can go if you're still thinking. No, I mean I've been I've, I've been enjoying <laughs> Stranger Things, which would have been interesting like four years ago to say. It looks no, like there's can... a new season of The Expanse that just dropped. Yeah, I'm excited. So, yeah, I've watched about four episodes. Okay, I see. I need to catch up. And I up. binged the entirety of the final season of Man in the High Castle the other day. Oh, night. okay. See, I'm like halfway through season two of The Expanse, and they've already... Oh, okay. So I need to watch that, and then season three. Yeah, so. the first three seasons are really good. Yeah, okay. Uh, what do I want to pitch? What do I want to pitch? Um, oh, I know what I want to pitch. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. Okay. So I want to pitch a Linux distro um, called <laughs> called Peppermint. It okay. is really amazing, and if so, is it this, a uh, derivation of Mint? It is not actually, although okay. they did borrow, I think, some like certain features that Mint first implemented. But it's okay. not. It's actually um, it's sort of a Lubuntu. Um, 
that would that would I guess that's where it was originally kind of taken from. Okay. The L whatever XCF um thing of Ubuntu, but uh yeah, so it's Ubuntu based, but it is super lightweight in a in, but but it doesn't it doesn't look bad and so I had a laptop um is an old Inspiron. It had a Core i3, but it had you know, it was like pretty slow and just okay you know not snappy at all and only had i think it had like six gigs of ram and had windows 10 on there and it's just one of these things it's just like a dog you know it's like you boot it up and you wait like so so you five ten minutes so i peppermint on it yeah i blew the i blew it away and i put peppermint on it and i'm just i'm blown away by how snappy it is um do you have an ssd on it or is it spinning i do i did i switched it out for an ssd so that obviously helped a lot too i mean windows might have seemed a lot better with the ssd but yeah i I wanted to try it and so a couple things that honestly your 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 improvement is probably more from the ssd than the peppermint it it might be but everyone else that's used peppermint (laughs) says the same thing like holy cow the the os is so responsive it boots in 10 seconds you come back from sleep or hibernate in like a second. There's no lag on any kind of like menu. So what do you do with it? Well, it's for um, it's for Melanie. So I'm basically just configured it so that she can use it. It's and just a glorified Chromebook, basically. It's a little bit like a Chromebook because Peppermint, their thing, so to speak, was to really. Um, it's called Ice uh, SSBs. Um, uh, what does SSB stand for? We are we are off the beat. Site specific browsers, <laughs> site specific browsers. So the idea behind okay. this thing called ICE is that um, you know normally a lot of what you do now is cloud based. So you could you could do right. Google Drive. You could even do um, or whatever the Google Office thing. Microsoft yeah. very recently made all of Office Online free. So that was okay. in a response, obviously, to what Google was doing. So yeah, with site-specific browsers, you encapsulate um, a specific website into a lightweight sort of like browser container, and then okay. the assumption is that you're going to like just use that application. You're not going to be like opening tabs, and you're not going to need sort of the full power of the browser. So you save a you save some real estate in the form of all these the search bar and the tab bar and the bookmark bar and the status bar. Um, and so it makes it look more like an application and actually works really well, depending on, you know, what sites you're going to. So like if you go to Gmail, so if you're the kind called, they're called site specific browsers, SSB. So like, imagine if you're the kind of person that Gmail is just open all day long and it's just in one of your many tabs on your computer. Yeah. Yeah. You can argue that the way you're using Gmail is different from the way you're using that tab you opened up temporarily to do a quick search on like, I don't know anything that you're eventually going to close, but Gmail is like always there. You're really treating Gmail more like a client application. You just happen to be running it in its browser. So with a site specific browser, like an ice encapsulation on your desktop, it seems more like an application. Like it doesn't touch anything else. Um, So it's really, I mean, it's a little bit better performance because it doesn't have all of the features of the browser when you load it. So it loads really quickly and it's just a nice job Mm. of organizing, organizing your life, I guess. And then you can just decide 
like do i just want to use a lot of site specific browsers and take like a like a chrome like a chromebook and take up almost no space on the actual hard drive or or not you can just install applications the same way it's got all the common like ubuntu package manager and everything like that so i mean really really cool and what what i was really impressed by was I've dabbled with Linux over the last, I don't know how many, over 10 years. And every time I get turned off by just the wonkiness of hardware, especially when it comes to laptops, like I never seem to get, and I remember a bunch of came along and I was like, this is it. Like we finally got Linux for like the everyman. And then I would run it and it didn't know how to handle like when I would shut my laptop screen or when I would hit the power button to put it to sleep, like it never got it right. And then I would think my laptop was asleep and then I would put it in my book bag. And the next morning, my book bag would practically be on fire because it was like running. Oh, for yeah, some I reason. Hate that. When you put your laptop to sleep, but it's not really asleep. And that happened all the time. Anytime I did anything Linux. So I just like screw this. And I think Windows 10 was it was an outstanding, you know, but it is a resource hog. Windows 10 requires oh, yeah. like 30 gigabytes of hard disk space. It requires a lot of RAM. It's no one would so, no one would ever call it. Snappy. You gotta you gotta wrap this up. Okay, now. but anyway, so <laughs> Linux Peppermint, um, I think is a really awesome little. So if you've got any old laptops that you want to dust off and play around, go download an ISO of Linux Peppermint. Stick it on a you know either create a bootable USB drive or create a DVD, shove it in there, blow away your hard drive, and then just have some fun. And if can you, you nice. can you do it with old MacBooks. Um. Yeah. Prob- yeah. You yeah. Could. Probably. As yeah. long as you're on an i i86. All right. Maybe I, even X, not with an i86. X86. X86. You mean? X86. Yeah. Yeah. Let's well, try that. Or an or an X64. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Yeah. My pitch. I'm gonna go a lot shorter than you guys. I'm gonna pitch the Thin Lizzy album. Uh, Live and Dangerous. Uh, from I believe 1978. Ooh, I'm uh, down with that. Uh, probably one of the best live albums of the 70s. Uh, it's got all of Tim Lizzie's <laughs> greatest hits and and some other songs you might not have heard. But and some of the versions are better than the original studio tracks. So uh, and it's got an awesome cover of Phil Lynott in you know spread eagle with a guitar in his hands and his wearing skin tight leather pants on the cover so it's pretty fantastic so have you delved have you delved into the grand funk live album i have not but oh. i will say it even features um huey lewis a very young huey lewis on the harmonica oh. in the 70s because huey lewis was in a band in the 70s called clover and uh that also that toured with him lizzie and so uh, this was before the news. So, uh, yeah. Huey Lewis uh, is one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Really? Was he with the news? Yeah, I saw him in Milwaukee. I was, it was like six years ago. Tickets were like 35 bucks, but he looks perpetually 40. Yeah, he does. He still like, looks 40. Yeah, he's, they're, he's amazing. Nice. Yeah, I'll check him. I yeah, you know who was in the best live shows I ever saw? That it just blew me away how good they were. It was Thirty Eight Special, and they were like the third act on a triple bill. And I was like, <clears throat> this band will not be good. And they were really good. And I don't even like Thirty Eight Special songs that much, but I always respect somebody that brings it live. 
I, th- I think that's underrated. So I got to go see you. We got to go see a show sometime, David. I'm down. Yeah. So, but I think we're going to wrap up this episode of Cavs, the podcast with, you know, Boston up 85 to 80 in the fourth quarter on, uh, on Dallas. And, uh, you know, uh, the Cavs, when did the Cavs play again? They play Friday, right? Oh yeah. They play, uh, the Grizzlies Friday. I'm really excited. I want to see Brandon Clark. I might, might even go up to that game. Uh, because it is whammer bobblehead night, and I nice. am going up to the Atlanta game on Monday. So, taking taking the fam to the Atlanta game. So, as what? always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Okay. Tell me about Rec League basketball. All right, so for Rec League basketball, we played this team. They were way better than our team, but they were kind of just chaches about it. Like running the floor. Nice, I, chach. I love yeah, I love the that. Chach. Yes, yes. They, they were like running the score up, like kind of. But there was one kid who was just jacking threes, and they were kind of dicks about it. Like they were running a full court press the whole game. Oh and so, wow! Okay, we get it. You guys work out. Like cool, that's fun, but not really. But there was one kid on their team who was actually very good, like who was just jacking threes. But he drove the one time, and he was just being a turd, like pushing off a lot, like kind of stop being a nice like recreational basketball basketball league player like we all have day jobs we don't kind of get hurt so the one kid on our team like grabs his arm because he's driving and he pushes off so he's like all right i'm gonna yank your arm then the kid gets super pissed throws the ball at him and we're like all of us on our team are like oh like turn move like turn move like talking to him because he got teed up for it right away we're like who throws a ball at someone like, come on, dude. Like, like even I don't do that. Yeah. He, like, I, I literally threw the ball. And we're like, you're a turd. Like, who does I've that? I've thrown the ball at people before. Oh, for real? And then, nah, I mean, more just like, yeah. I mean, I, people throw balls at each other all the time in the NBA. <laughs> oh, no. It, it's, a, it's a turd move. So then this kid starts freaking out. And my friend who's on the bench, he's like a mellow kid. He's actually, he's like a lawyer who I've known for a long time. Like, I met him when I was living down south. And he's like, he's like, yo, dude, it's rec league. And he's like, no, this is a man's league. He's like, no. <laughs> so there's that, there's that male yeah. dominant society again. And he's oh, like, toxic masculinity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, yeah. He's like, no. playing in the toxic yeah. masculinity yeah. rec league. But then he's yeah. like, no, it says it's a rec league, like on the paper. And the kid got so mad. Just because <laughs> you said it was a rec league? Yeah, he got he flipped out after he threw the ball. And my buddy was like, "Yo, it's a rec league." He was like, "No, it's a man's league." He's like, "No, it says it's a rec league on the paper." <laughs> like, awesome. the kid, got, kid got so mad, but this was the one redeeming point. So we were like, we got smoked. We lost by like forty points. We we're like, "Damn, dude! Like, this is going to be a sucky season if this is how all the games go." And um, like they post the scores online, so we're looking and we're like whoa, we only lost by 40 points. Like, other teams lost by 50 points. The kid that threw the ball is hitting, like, 12 threes a game. We're the only <laughs> team that held them to under 100 points. We're like, all right. Felt kind of good about ourselves. But now, for the next game, I'm like, we're running a box one, and we're just going to make the so – <laughs> There you go. We're gonna run a, take your own John Beeline advice. Do something yeah. different. Running a yeah, box yeah, one, and we're going to get this kid to follow himself out or get teed out. Nice. Just like always two guys on him all the time. Three guys. Okay. It's just a principle. He's hitting 11 threes a game. He's going to hit zero threes. I don't care if we lose by 100 points. 
run him through a lot of screens when he's on defense. Well, no, that was the other thing that pissed us off about this team. They played, they like kind of played defense, but they always, they literally did the four on one defense where they just had one person hanging back every time. And it wasn't even the fattest kid on Like, you've never played rec ball where there's, like, teams will just literally have one kid that doesn't play D. He just hangs back past half court. And everything. Just to get an outlet? Yes, every single time. It's the most infuriating thing ever. That is infuriating. I used to play in a league, um, and it was an over-35 men's league at the university in Alaska. And for some reason, they let me sub on this on this league. And, and I, even though I was in college, probably because I played like a 35 year old man. <laughs> um, and, but the rule was everybody had to be over half court before you could score. That is a great rule. <laughs> it was like soccer offside. Yeah. I like, like icing and hockey. Yeah. I've, pl- yeah. I, I've played soccer, like indoor soccer at some places where you're not allowed to take a shot until you cross the half line, like smaller places. Indoor soccer. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I got a question for you, Tom. Have you yeah. seen um, who's the Wizards guys that's hitting all the threes? Oh, I, 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 Davis no. Bertans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, does like, he just drive you nuts? Just jacking thirty-five foot threes all game at yeah. seven foot tall. Yeah. Is he like you're everything that's wrong with the NBA in one player? No, not everything, but it is kind of obnoxious, right? It's like yeah. I felt that way about Steph Curry for a while. I felt like he was kind of a gimmicky player, but over time, I as I saw him play more, I realized now he's actually like a total stud. Even though he's a <laughs> he's a wiener, but I mean yeah. he, he can ball, right? But yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels. But Bertans doesn't have that all around skill set. No, I mean, it just feels kind of gimmicky. Yeah, yeah, it feels a lot. He, it's like who was the guy for the Knicks that was a really good shooter? That, but that's all he did. He oh, the like, white dude. I know who yeah, you're talking Steve about. Novak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he's yeah. like the 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 next incarnation of Steve Novak. Novacalypse. Oh. The Novacalypse. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.